0: Welcome to the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast, where you'll discover new opportunities to grow your business from seven figures to eight from the world's most successful agency and B2B SaaS executives. I'm your host, Corey Quinn. Let's jump into the show. Today, I'm joined by the managing partner of Grow Law Firm, Sasha Burson. Welcome, Sasha.
1: Thanks for having me, Corey. It's very exciting to be here. I've been a listener since almost the very time that you started.
0: Oh, awesome! What's well, been uh, any any episodes come to mind uh, as you as you think back on on some of those? Actually,
1: quite a few of them. One of the most impactful one for us was the episode that goes back about two and a half months, where you had Bill Hauser of SMB Team. It is a very respectable competitor oh, yeah. of ours. So I always want to network with people who do what we do. I do not look at them really as competitors, but co-competitors. And we all can learn from each other. So I definitely learned a lot from that yeah. guy. I learned quite a bit from the guy from Blue Shark, whose name eludes me at the moment, but I know his name. I met with him at different conferences before and quite a few other episodes, including the episode with our man, Seth Price. Yep. And, and John Morris, actually one of our advisors. He was yeah. on your podcast, so it was refreshing to hear him there. So um, yeah. yeah, quite a few episodes that I absolutely loved.
0: That's so That's so cool. It's funny that there's been... So many, or I should say, a handful of agencies that are focused on the legal vertical in the show, and what I've come to appreciate because I worked at a company called Scorpion, which you're familiar with, which also focused on attorneys, that it is such a there's so much opportunity to go around for agencies in the legal vertical, and uh, you know, I I come from very much the the concept of a of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and so. I love that you have that attitude as well, where it's, it's, it's not uh, necessarily competition, co-competition. Maybe there's, there's ways to, to, to support and, and partner for sure. So could you share a little bit about with, uh, about yourself and grow law firm with the listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have somewhat probably of an unusual journey into the marketing world. I started my first brick-and-mortar business in the U.S. 23 years ago, back in the late 2000. And very quickly, I learned that my personal and my business financial fortune was tightly dependent on how well the marketing team performed. And at that time, as a startup, and there were two of us very young guys in our early 20s, we could not find a good marketing team. It took years. To get to a point where our marketing started actually working so at that point this is probably 2004 2005 i decided that one day when i really get marketing i'm going to start a marketing company that first business actually did incredibly well and i sold my 50 percent in it and then i did not start a marketing company i started a different business there was a consulting business as i have learned the ropes how to grow small businesses i started consulting small businesses on how to grow but always invariably they all run into the same issue i would tell them how to do it and then they would try to find vendors that would execute on it and the toughest piece of the puzzle was finding the right marketing company to do it through different evolutions in my journey in 2017 i was speaking at an event where i took someone i knew who started a marketing company years before that i took him as my co-presenter at that conference and he looked at me kind of funny and he asked me, wouldn't you be happier if you did this? And I asked him, what's that? And at that time, I co-piloted a custom software development company with a friend of mine. And I did not love it. In fact, I joined that team with the intention of pivoting into the marketing business. And that pivot failed horribly. And the reason why it failed, this is a short, funny story. I taught him how to land a lot of enterprise clients. Custom software development, and to me, it seemed natural that if we learn those, we'll certainly be able to sell the marketing services. We couldn't, they had their own marketing departments, and thus we couldn't displace whatever it is that they were doing. So that failed. And in 2017, as we were sharing the right to that conference, Stan looked at me, kind of funny. He said, Wouldn't you be happier if you did this? And I asked him, This what? And he said, This marketing. And I said, Yes, I would be. And he's like, Well, How would you like to buy equity in our company and i said let's talk and seven months later i was a happy co-owner of our parent company that is comrade digital and for the last six years and two weeks i've been co-piloting comrade digital and one of its brands specifically which is grow law firm which is a recent addition to the comrade brand of families and I can talk to you about our journey into vertical specialization, which is yeah. funny, funny, tragic money, wasteful yeah. journey that, that we've taken over these years.
0: So just to be clear, so grow law firm is a sub brand from comrade digital. Right. So yeah, to share us more what is comrade digital and then, yeah, how did you get into the vertical focus strategy? Yeah.
1: So I joined comrade, as I mentioned early 2016, January 3rd 2018 pardon me and at that time I tallied it up the company was serving clients in 54 industries there was not a team member who was not super stressed out I mean every single person on the team was incredibly stressed out the marketing people the sales people the operations people like everyone's stress level was through the roof and I was like You guys know what you're doing you're delivering results but this is beyond stressful let's figure out one or two verticals that we're going to focus on and start going in that direction until we can just become narrow specialists in those industries the first year there was no specialization we were just solving like really really basic problems like sales problems the first year we grew 40 percent, but through brute force rather than specialization or focus year two we started looking at like okay who do we best serve here let's start pivoting and so we picked one industry that we thought would be a great industry for us to serve and that industry was stone fabricators we had a couple of clients and we're doing incredibly well for those clients incredibly well like the first client that hired us he went from struggling to four years later telling us that Thanks, guys I have so much cash saved up I can retire now and by the way I'm only 47 I mean he made millions he went from being broke to making millions so having millions of dollars in his bank account within a few years that's the power of like high performance marketing and so and then we had another client We're like listen we're doing so good here let's do this and so we start a brand called stone fab marketing and Stonefab fab marketing was a disaster Because what we did not do is we did not really survey the industry to understand whether they really, really wanted our services. What we learned through about a year and a half long journey was that just because they exist and just because we can help them make more money doesn't mean that they actually want to make more money. A typical stone shop is managed by a blue collar guy who used to be a stone fabricator who decided to, well, F my boss. I'm going to go do it on my own. His business sense is usually doesn't apply to everyone but usually very low he knows how to work really hard he knew how to attract a few other guys to his stone shop and now they're working super hard and when you start talking to him about hey you know you're like doing $600,000 in revenue now we can help you take it to two and a half million it's only gonna take three years and you need to invest this much he goes like "What what are you talking about like I don't care I'm doing well, my mortgage is paid, my truck is paid for, you know, I can take a vacation. Like, why are you approaching me with all this bullshit? I just don't care. So it was an industry. It was not a competitive industry. They were not <laughs> That's interesting I I, I could see that just they yeah. just did not give a shit. You know, the only people who gave a shit were the ones who got into the industry through a business decision making process like they chose to be in the industry they did not start off as laborers of sorts they were in a different business they realized that the profit margins are high if you want to operate that type of business and our best estimate was that across the entire nation there are about ten thousand stone shops and maybe five percent of the owners are actually business minded people and it was really hard to find them really hard to find them so that failed so our next was like, all right, where can we measure our performance incredibly well to prove ROI on our services to our clients? All like, right, obviously it's e-commerce. Look at how well we're doing for our e-commerce clients. And it's so easy to prove our ROI to them. And so we go into e-commerce and we build catapult revenue brand. That did not work very well here are the reasons why and we didn't understand that at the time when we started over 95 percent of our client base at the time were service businesses majority of them were b2c service businesses e-commerce represented like five percent of our book of business to really expand into e-commerce direction you need to have dedicated people working on e-commerce you need to have a dedicated marketing team that's just focused on e-commerce and you need to have sales that really understand e-commerce We didn't have neither one of those so we tried and we failed to attract business and the business that we did attract we failed to convert them whatever little we converted we realized that man this is we're not well equipped to do this but since before i joined comrade i have always looked at one vertical as the vertical that they wanted to serve and that was the legal vertical and the reason why i wanted to serve legal vertical actually very very same reasons as bill hauser from smb team wanted to serve that vertical they just check off a lot of check boxes they really do and even when i just joined comrade there were quite a few law firms that were our clients so a decision was finally made in 2021 when i was already with comrade for three years over three years to start building a lawyer-focused brand, which is Grow a Law Firm.
0: So going back into, oh yeah, no, I was curious. I was curious back in 2018, when you just joined Comrade, you were in 54 industries, everyone's stressed out and you, you, you decided to try and evolve the agency to focus on one or two verticals. How did you know that that was going to help? eventually sort of grow the agency from where it was like what about what about verticalization what did you know about it did you like how did you know that that was the right path
1: yeah so the way I always look at it is when you think about incomes I'm going to use this analogy so when you think about incomes for example in one profession and that is healthcare you can think about income levels as a pyramid so at the bottom there's the most amount of competition those are primary care physicians. And I haven't looked at the numbers in a few years, but like let's say three, four years ago, median income across primary care physicians was about 150,000. When you were moving up to the top, it was more and more of a narrow specialty. And like that last 10% or so were like narrow specialty in oncology, like rare type of cancer. People would make there million plus dollars a year. I wouldn't say without breaking the sweat. They had to work hard. And it would they usually start making that money when they're 37, 38, 39. But you could make that kind of money by being a specialist. By the way, it would take you almost the same amount of time to become a primary care physician. Like minus two, three years. But the financial outcome is ridiculously different. And at the very top of the pyramid, there is a guy if you remember him, probably do, Dr. Oz. Who was not getting paid for being a doctor although he is an excellent cardiologist he was getting paid for who he is because he replaced opera intro show et cetera et cetera. Let, let me now connect the dots so when i think about specialization in any type of business i always think that once you specialize in a vertical or a horizontal your marketing becomes easier you have very clear messaging for a very distinct group of people or businesses Your sales becomes easier because your salespeople know approximately who they're going to talk to, their needs, their problems, their objections, and everything else. Your production is definitely going to get a lot easier because now you're working on one, two, three, four products, but for the same same industry. Your reporting is going to be easier. Your production is going to be easier. Everything gets easier. Your HR gets easier. You can ramp up your people in any department a lot faster and your management and leadership gets easier. Everything gets easier when you focus on a vertical or two at the most. And profitability definitely follows because you can optimize and streamline your operations a hell of a lot faster when you serve one industry instead of 54. Sure.
0: (laughs) So looking back now today, having gone through this experience, starting with stone fabricators, moving through e-commerce and ending up in legal, how would you have approached this evolution differently from day 1 looking back knowing what you know today?
1: How would you how would you solve this problem? Hindsight is always 2020. <laughs> so, if I knew then what I know now. But the truth is I knew a lot of what I know now about vertical specialization 6 years ago when we started. I think it was just a an evolution that took place that yeah. could have been done a lot faster but because we made ineffective decisions internally, it did take the years that it did. What, what decisions just, just were just mistakes.
0: Yeah, like were there any, any decisions that maybe an agency owner who is in that situation where they're working with 10, 20, 30 different verticals and they're saying, I really need to get down to one or two. Like what advice would you have for them as they're thinking through that?
1: Decide on what your selection criteria should be for a vertical. And once you do, tr- trust your gut, but remember that you may be making a mistake. If you learn that you, you have made a mistake, just be prepared to pivot as quickly as possible. Don't drag don't this out. It's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Warren Buffett, one I mean, the best known investor of all time, has made some severe mistakes. He bought a $400 million business a year before it went belly up didn't see that one coming. It happens. It's okay. You know, if you make mistake, you make mistake. So in
0: is Comrade Digital, what are they, what what other are they, are they just essentially a holding company or are they more of a generalist agency? Like what is, what is Comrade Digital today?
1: So Comrade Digital is a holding company and a generalist, but when I say a generalist, so today Comrade, Comrade does not sign up any clients that are not service businesses, that are not B2C service businesses. We have plenty of legacy clients who we have been serving for five years plus. Amazing people. We love them. They love us. We do not want to end this relationship. We're going to have this relationship for years to come. But overwhelming majority of new business are law firm owners. When I say overwhelming, uh, Q4, and we're recording this early Q1 of 2024. If my memory serves me right, over 90% of new business that we signed in Q4 was all law firms. And that, that's the power of vertical specialization. We couldn't have done that if we didn't have a dedicated brand to one industry.
0: So, back in, in, in that legal vertical, the focus on legal happened in 2021 ish? Correct. Right. Around there?
1: Correct. That, that's you, when the decision what, was made.
0: That's when the decision was made. What did you do after the Correct. decision was made? Like, what were the next steps?
1: Yeah, so we're experts in search marketing. So then we had to build a website that we knew could dominate the search space in time. The website went live in April of 2022. So we're three months, approximately three months away from the two-year mark. And then myself, my partner, and my production team had to work really hard and be very patient because we know how long it takes to do well in search in a highly competitive industry we do really well now yeah. but it took close to two years like one approximately approximately a year and a half or so before we started seeing decent lead flow coming through search
0: did you do anything besides search
1: yes we have certainly attempted other things we have yeah. done page search failure Paid search in this ultra-competitive industry did not work very well. And the reason why we believe it did not work very well, and we know how to do paid search very well. But the reason why we believe it didn't work is that lawyers get bombarded, absolutely bombarded by marketing and by advertising from marketing companies. They don't want to see another ad from yet another marketing company promoting our wonderful services they skip right over those ads. The only ones that reached out to us through those ads were the desperate ones. That's it. We have tried that. We have tried paid social advertising that worked better for generating MQLs, but not SQLs. We generate marketing qualified leads that have a much longer sales cycle rather than sales qualified leads. They are also very expensive. We do numerous things. We have a Grow Law from podcast. We do a lot of organic social media content. We go to conferences, and for about a year, a little less than a year, we ran with outbound sales, hardcore outbound sales, 100 phone calls per sales rep per day, and that stuff flopped, and we didn't know why it flopped until I went to your seminars or webinars (laughs) about gift-based outbound and i very quickly understood that we never stood a chance
0: so do you focus we relied in, very
1: heavily on search
0: do you, do you focus searching. in on a, on a specific practice area within legal like do you only work with personal injury or family law or other there sub- practice areas that you focus on
1: almost all b2c attorneys like we, we will okay. not even have a conversation with real estate attorneys because we know that that business comes to to them through real estate agents we're not big on bankruptcy law because average case value is kind of low, but competition is kind of high. And a lot of their prospects are not looking to them through looking for them through search. So, but vast majority of B2C law firms.
0: That makes sense. And so you mentioned that paid search did not work uh, that well. Paid social got some MQLs, but not really any MQL, SQLs, podcasts, social media, and then outbound sales. Share with me a little bit about the podcast. When did you start the podcast and why did you start that? And what role is that playing for your marketing today?
1: So the podcast was started 15 months ago in October of 2022. We do episodes very consistently. I am the host. I would assume that I'm roughly on episode 75, 78 now. Great. The podcast is done for building additional brand awareness and building connections with the right people within the industry it is not a good lead gen for us it is so a you, great who, 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 brand awareness builder who do you bring on is it, is it interview style podcast it's interview style podcast just like the one that we're doing right now exactly what okay. they do on my podcast
0: okay and who do you bring on like who, who are you interviewing are you interviewing attorneys or other marketing people or someone else
1: so primarily I interview other service providers to the legal industry because those are the connections that we want to build through the podcast Mm. the second second cohort of people who i interview are successful law firm owners okay those who have reached substantially better than average results and the reason why i interview them is success leaves a lot of clues they're usually more than willing to share how they got to where they got and they're wonderful connections and i know that As you, I really like this term, you said the product cycle in our industry is three years and I know that the clock is always ticking. It's ticking for our existing clients and it's ticking for those law firm owners who have come on my podcast. And at one point they may be reaching back out to me and say, Hey, Sasha, who do I talk to in your firm about this?
0: What about social media? What are you doing for social media? Are you doing just organic content and what is that content?
1: so organic content primarily shorts sixty-second or shorter videos I am the, the talking bubblehead for all things grow law firm okay it's getting traction but there is no lead flow off of social so when I talk about these things I want to like underline one common theme none of these things are going to produce a fast ROI if they do tell me how like you need to buckle up and just be like hey this is not going to work overnight this is not going to over work over a month it may take me a year year and a half two years to get this thing really going and you just need to make that conscious decision but once you make that conscious decision like you will thank yourself five years from now but it will take time and this time will pass one way or another you might as well just stop struggling by being a generalist, working with 54 industries and That's start working right. on that vertical specialization.
0: Agency owners, in 2024, do you want to finally escape founder-led sales? My book, Anyone Not Everyone gives you a unique solution to a big problem that digital agency owners face, serving too many types of clients. In my book, I guide you through my proven five-step process, helping you to transform from a generalist to a vertical market specialist. The best part is the methods in this book are simple, authentic, and effective. It's been endorsed by well-known author, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, legendary marketer, Aaron Ross, positioning expert, April Dunford, gifting expert, John Rulon, as well as many leading agency owners and thought leaders. So whether you're a seasoned agency owner or just getting started out, my book, Anyone Not Everyone, is your ultimate resource to unlock your agency's potential and scale revenue. The book launches in March and the good news is that you can go to my website right now and sign up to be notified when it launches. You'll also get access to some early bonuses just by signing up to be notified today. Go to anyonenoteveryone.com. That's anyonenoteveryone.com. Now back to the show that's right it's uh there's the saying uh two two times ty- two great times to plant a tree which is 30 years ago and today so that sure. that leads me to the the next one you mentioned which is the outbound sales which you mentioned you had a, sa- a group of sellers or outbound folks who are doing yep. up to 100 100 dials a day what's your impression of why why that didn't work out like what would you do differently yeah
1: so for anybody who hasn't been to corey's training about give based outbound it very quickly forces you to understand why your shitty outbound effort will never work unless you do something like what scorpion did years ago and we knew about scorpion doing something that's very uncommon for the industry we just didn't like i learned from you approximately what they did and i was like we never stood a chance and here's why so imagine your very traditional outbound selling very traditional outbound selling means that you have a cup at least a couple of sales reps you can't have one gotta have two really good people you give them a really good list like really good list like first you buy a list that fits all the criteria and then you have somebody in philippines russia ukraine or somewhere else go through that list up and down up and down up and down until they can swear on their kids health that every single person on that list is indeed a law firm owner based in a major metropolitan area in United States of America and practices in the validated practice area, and here's their phone number, email, and address, and they have validated every single piece of that information. Then you give it to your sales reps, and you have to build out a technology stack that allows them to make those phone calls efficiently. If you have never built out a sales stack like that, Trust me when I say this, it's going to take you two, three, four months before you're like, oh, we have a good system that makes our sales force efficient at making those phone calls. It freaking takes time yeah. and thousands of dials until you're like, I understand how I want this thing to work. And now I made this thing work the way that they want it to work. The reason why you want a technology stack is good sales reps are going to be expensive. Like the base is going to be high and you cannot go around it. You're not going to get someone on commission to go and do outbound for you. If you did, trust me, you just picked up a loser. <laughs> like that's it. Like no good sales rep is going to go like outbound, 100% commission. Absolutely. Sounds like an amazing opportunity. What do I start? <laughs> so good salespeople with a good sales stack, with a superb list. And then you start calling on people who are neither expecting your call nor welcome your call. They have no idea who you are. They have no idea why you're calling them. They have no idea why you're distracting them with the shit that they have heard from so many other marketing companies before. They don't want you to call them. So every time you call, you're going up against a tsunami-sized wave that wants to crush you. And now, to get to the point where you statistically know that that doesn't work, you need to have those salespeople, great salespeople with a great list, with a great sales stack, make 100 phone calls per day, 5 days a week. All of this is trackable for a number of months until you're like, i have proven statistically beyond any reasonable doubt that this does not work (laughs) and then you start listening to corey and you understand why it doesn't work and here's the reason why it doesn't work scorpion has the exact same list it's just a hell of a lot bigger and now scorpion invests ten thousand dollars per client to get those people to actually answer the phone and want to answer the phone on your sales rep call. You need to have a very sizable budget and still a lot of patience because as you said, the product cycle for marketing services is approximately three years long. Meaning, if you haven't been in Corey's training, that means that the time between the prospect, your prospect, bought marketing services the last time from their current vendor to the time that they're going to replace them with somebody, might be you, is going to be three years. And you have no idea when you start reaching out to them where they are in that product cycle. They could be a day before starting to call marketing companies or they could be three years away. So patience, outrageously cool gifts, professional sales force that doesn't just call, email, but sends gifts and figures out what conferences these prospects go to and flies to those conferences. So if you can pull that off, in three years, you're going to be like, I'm rich, <laughs> but not not before.
0: <laughs> There's no uh, no quick quick get quick rich scheme here. No, you represented it very well. It's interesting as you're saying that you mentioned about every cold call that goes out to these attorneys who's getting a tra- getting the same phone calls from other legal or law firm specific agencies as well as generalist agencies like the big agencies that you know they're calling them to so they're getting bombarded and so every phone call is more and more friction and then on the flip side when you send gifts every set every time you send an amazing gift that's unique striking leaves an impression it builds reciprocity it's the opposite 100 percent. so anyways that came to me what is the importance of relationships? you mentioned you went to associations and conferences. How do those sort of those situations or those, you know, events help you to grow the, the agency?
1: So far, very, very minimally, because we're only about, we're less than two years into it with this brand. Yeah. It, it like, it doesn't like, again, like none of these things are going to be working fast for you. You have to buckle up and be prepared for a very long journey until you actually start seeing success. And guess what? It's okay. Like almost nothing is built overnight. The reason why companies that have wild valuations are called unicorns is because that almost never happens. Like you're not going to build a $10 million marketing company in three years. Mm. If you do, please, please, write a book about it. So we all learn how to do it.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was funny. As an author, I recently interviewed on this show. His name is Alan Dib. He wrote the One Page Marketing Plan. And he talked about this idea of going to conferences as for two things. There were one, it's a great way to accelerate your learning about a specific vertical. So if you go and you sit in a room for a two days at a conference, let's say a, a law firm conference, a personal injury attorney conference, you're gonna learn a lot about their pains, the problems that they're dealing with, their language and so on and so forth. So it's really good for that. But then secondarily, the first time you go to a conference, let's say it's an annual conference. The first time you go, you're gonna meet some people, maybe you meet a client there. Second time you go the next year, you're gonna start to see some of the old people that that you hung out with the last year. Maybe you get a meal with someone and have a beer or whatever. And then the third year, you show up and it's all the same people, and then they welcome you as in family because they know that you're, you're becoming part of that tribe. And to your point, you're not going to create those kind of emotional connections by going to a conference once and then kind of going and, and, and not following up the next year. But when you do that, you get to build a lot of that, that trust that you want to create when building your credibility in that vertical.
1: Or, and I actually have an interesting example that was not vertical specific, but Talk about finding the right conference to go to. There is an amazing small business advisory company based out of Chicago here where I am. They're very sizable now. I cannot tell you exactly how many advisors they have, but it's a very atypical success story for small business advisory group. When I say very successful, 25, 30, 35, 40 million under 10 years, 100 plus advisors okay. this is like very atypical success so in 2019 my partner gets introduced to someone who is the owner and co-founder of this group and he's like we met with him and we're like such a cool guy really smart and he's like we're holding our annual conference here in september and you guys should sponsor it you're going to love it and we're like how much is that and he's like it's this much and we're like we never spent $10,000 on the sponsorship of a conference. And it was like a little less. It was like 7500 bucks, but all in because we don't have to fly anywhere. It was still like a little over ten grand. So we're like, you know what? We're just going to do it. See what happens. That relationship over a course of about three years resulted in probably two and a half, three, three and a half million dollars worth of business. Wow. But when we just went to that conference, like we left that conference without a signed contract, we had a few leads some of them were great some of them weren't great but then we followed up and we did so many other things with those advisors and over time it was just a referral a referral a referral a referral a referral a referral or referral yeah and there we struggle but then we've gone through like industry specific conferences like for law firm owners and every person in that audience hundreds of law firm owners would be sitting there zero referrals year one Year two, you lend a client and you're like, oh, shit, I just spent 15 grand going to this conference. Took me three days, the whole thing. And I just landed like one client. Okay, it paid for itself, but nothing to write home about. So again, talk about no silver bullet. You never know when you're going to strike gold. Some things will work. Some That's things right. will not work. Just be patient.
0: In a world where there's a ton of legal marketing agencies or agencies that focus on law firms, how do you differentiate or position your agency different than a lot of the others that are out there
1: we don't and i think that the marketing industry i don't know who came up with this idea but if i ever was to meet this person i'd want to beat them up (laughs) somebody came (laughs) up with the concept that you need to be different and honestly when, when i talk to potential vendors for us i don't care how different they are I always care about like what's the advantage of hiring you versus everybody else if there is no advantage then you can be bigger smaller yellow green or red whatever it is that's different about you I don't give a shit like what's the advantage of hiring you so whenever I think about like what's the advantage of hiring us and prospects sometimes ask us like what what what, what makes you different I'm like we are experts at search marketing we follow best practices if you think about it if everybody followed best practices everybody would have great results the truth of the matter is that vast majority of search marketing agencies do not follow the freaking best practices and because they do not and there are a number of reasons why they do not follow them sometimes i'll expand on those reasons but because they do not follow best practices you get really shitty results you want great results. You, just, you hire somebody yeah. who does like follow the best practices.
0: I think you just called out your differentiator.
1: <laughs> it's, but the it's differentiator your... is, actually, is actually different than that. The differentiator yeah. is this. So SEO, for anybody who has done SEO and knows how to do it right, is incredibly hard. Yeah. Because it is hard, it's incredibly labor-intensive. Because it's hard and labor-intensive, you have to have very high-quality people who are inexpensive or you have to charge premium prices when you charge super premium prices your niche within the niche gets really small so if you want to go big not build a lifestyle business but you want to go big and we want to go big we want to go 100 million dollars in gross revenue if you want to do that you have to have a lot of high quality people who are inexpensive you have to build your own production offices overseas that's what we've done Not easy, like not easy. You have to build a management layer that's overseas that you control from here. Yeah, (laughs) talk about talk about at least two three years to build that up. Yeah, we've done that,
0: and that's powerful. And so it sounds like the the proof is in the pudding for you guys. Your ability to provide results. Yeah, that's really great. And you know, to be honest, in the agency the agency space. Differentiation is kind of a misnomer, in my experience, because there's only so many ways you can differentiate in being able to provide the specific services around PPC and SEO. It's just there's not there's there's not much, and usually of all the varying different t- types of ways you could sort of position or, or differentiate, it's being done by your competitors too. So it's very it's a very challenging problem to to approach.
1: Yeah, and and there when it comes to that differentiation, the way that yeah. we usually get a leg up on competition sort of say is because we're so incredibly good at seo we love getting clients from scorpion and from smb team and from a number of other marketing companies because what they, guess what they do not do well yes. it's yeah. seo and i understand why it's hard and it's incredibly labor intensive it's much more difficult to scale up seo if you do it well so SMB team, we looked at their clients, horrible results. Not talking about paid search, not talking about social paid, talking about strictly yeah. SEO, Scorpion, forget it, awful. <laughs> like whenever whenever we have somebody coming from them and we see like Scorpion in the photo of the website, yeah, we're like,
0: like, yeah, here we go. We know right. exactly what to do yeah. here. <laughs> That's it's good. So true. That's, that is your yeah, and that and that is a that's a way that you're specializing as well. In, yeah. in addition to law firms, it's in the SEO. Are there any negatives to verticalizing
1: a business? I couldn't find one, and I've heard about them, but I don't believe them. Yeah. So the way people would talk about it, like, but your people will get bored. I'm like, no, no, they won't. <laughs> if they're going to get bored, that just means that I have wrong people in the right seats because people who like, like being an expert is a lot easier than being a generalist. So the one differentiator between small businesses and larger businesses, and this applies to marketing companies, as you grow and we are growing, I think we have about 60 employees now, is the larger you get, the more specialists in something you get. And specialists don't want to work for half hour on an e-commerce client, 45 minutes on a healthcare client, 17 minutes on a lawyer client, 25 minutes on snow plowing company they don't it's pointless but but if they have an add of sort and they talk about it very lovingly like my 16 year old has pretty decent adhd i know what that looks like but i'm like like hey he wouldn't be a good fit for this business yeah i get it (laughs) you know if you want to work (laughs) on a different thing every 15 minutes That's cool, but please go destroy somebody else's company, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) But when you run like like a $500,000 marketing company, like you get generalists who try to do everything. And it is not a way to scale up. But that is the only true argument that I heard about, like why you shouldn't specialize because your people will get bored. And I'm like, no.
0: And that's a very common one for sure. What would be your party advice as we wrap up here particularly for agency owners who are struggling with scaling
1: number one is you gotta get an advisor like Corey, who knows what they're talking about who are going to show you a blueprint how to go from point A where you're serving 54 industries to point B where you're serving one maybe two having the right mentor saves tremendous amount of time, energy, and money. It may sound counterintuitive, but whenever I hire a mentor, we're very particular, when, when we're like qualifying, like whether we should hire this person or not as a mentor, because we want to make sure that it's a really good fit for solving our current problem. We've had numerous advisors over the years. And sometimes we would look at an advisor like, I have an advisor lined up who would be amazing. We talked it over with my partner and we're like, not today, in six months because the list of problems that we're solving today it's not going to solve itself this guy is going to help us solve next level problems so we're going to hire him like q3 of 2024 just not today but we know that for every level of problems we're going to solve them a lot faster with the right advisor so if there was just one 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 advice hire an advisor they will like you think that they're going to cost you money in reality they're going to save you a ton of money
0: Who, not how is one of my favorite books I've read recently that talks to that.
1: It's in that stack. I don't see (laughs) it, but it's in that stack. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Love Dan Dan Sullivan. Great books. Great books.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, go to any kind of coaching groups like EO or Vistage, or are you a member of strategic coach? Do you, do you guys do that there?
1: My partner is a member of strategic coach with Dan Sullivan and yeah. he is with uh I forget the name of the group I think it's based on the other book which is uh, 10x is easier than 2x which yeah. I see that's like not title number four from the top I see that one and we currently have one of the people who was on your podcast a couple of months ago John Mar- Morris he is our yeah. advisor and the reason yeah. why we really wants to work with John we know Rise. rice has actually been referring business to us for years we know it's a great organization we lost an employee three years ago and she went to work for rice and i was like it's a great choice i wrote a recommendation letter i was like if you guys don't hire her, you, or you're idiots it's a great company so when my partner my partner loves networking i freaking hate networking so my partner <laughs> brings in a lot of good connections so when he yeah. when he met john and he was like hey we can like talk to john about like helping us and i'm like john from Bryce and he's like yeah and I'm like great that's amazing because we know that guy sold Bryce for tremendous amount of money we don't know exactly how much and we know he didn't reach 100 million dollars but guess what we're still at around 5 million and we know that when he sold his business it was like upwards of 40 so I'm like if we can hire a guy to advise us who grew his business to like almost 10 times of where we are I'm like cool help us get to that next level it's amazing yeah 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 so we see john often
0: last question for you what is your motivation i
1: have a few one of my motivations is that i'm never satisfied like i make very decent money it's not that i'm greedy i have a good lifestyle but i feel that i could do more and a couple of years ago i learned from this guy i'm a religious jew he's a religious jew but i'm just not quite as religious as he is and he is like one of the great tenets of our religion is that you have to be incredibly charitable. He's like, I do this every year. Every year, my goal is to double my charitable contributions. Do you know how freaking hard it is to double your charitable contributions every year? When I heard him say that, I was like, I'm going to do it. It's going to be my goal to double my charitable contributions and. I'm not very strategic. I'm not like Ray Dalio or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. Like sometimes I'll see, I had a fiance who passed away from cancer a few years ago. So sometimes I'll see a post on Facebook that someone's like loved ones, like a father in the family. The guy was 42 years old. That happened a few months ago. Passed away from cancer. No source of income. Little kids. I was like, here's five grand. I have no idea who you are. But somebody who knows you, knows me and they vouch that that's a legit scenario that actually happened no here's five grand it's okay that's i will beautiful. not spend it on my family there are some things that i really wish to buy and like i don't own the watch well i have a couple of like really old watches. i'd like a fancy watch but i was like screw it here's five grand it's okay you know like you need it way more than i do you know so i think yeah. that that's probably like like beyond just making ends meet and having like decent lifestyle i think that that's That's a really good, good way to motivate yourself to make more because there aren't like, like I'm in my mid forties. I do pretty well. There aren't very many new, exciting things, but an opportunity to help somebody else always excites me. That's great. Yeah.
0: Where can people reach out to connect with you if they want to follow up and chat more?
1: Well, I don't know if your audience wants to follow up with me, but if you want to check out how we do things, check out GrowLawfirm.com. As they say, success leaves clues. And we're doing quite well for a brand that's sub two years. Look at how we've done things using SEMrush, SEMrush, wherever you refer to it. To see how we've done SEO, I can tell you that there's a lot of excellence that went into that. When we're talking about the amount of labor that went into our current rankings, and I can proudly tell you, we're soon going to absolutely dominate search for all things legal marketing. It is obscene, just obscene amount of labor that went into it. And guess what? You can replicate it. I would be just amused if somebody like, like catches up and passes us another like, see, that's doable. <laughs> we could have done even more. <laughs> and all things that we do on social and other things, like, like everything, like you reverse engineer everything that's being done. And, and if you follow like our lead there, You could be like this is cool we'll do this just remember have a lot of patience like it's not going to be like in a year's time we're going to start getting 20 hot leads a month through our website not gonna happen trust me it's not gonna happen but just keep in mind that it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it you should absolutely do it because the struggle of being a generalist is very real and it's not going anywhere unless you settle on a vertical and pursue it.
0: Beautiful. Sasha, thank you so much for joining today, being very generous with your time and your wisdom, and your experience, that you've been sharing with myself and the, the audience. So,
1: thank you. Thanks, Corey. Much appreciated.
0: All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Corey Quinn, and I hope you join me again next time for the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast. If you receive value from the show, I would love a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.